Welcome to Thinking Real Estate, a podcast by international law firm Trowers and Hamlins. Thinking about the future of cities, regeneration, and defining prosperity in urban areas to help change the way we live and work for the better. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another Trowers and Hamlins podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Plumley. I'm a partner in our uh, real estate team specialising in public sector regeneration. It's time. Delighted to have Simon Marks with us. Simon's the city executive for Arcadis. Both of us have a tremendous interest in real estate and redevelopment in the regions. Simon is the city executive for the West Midlands region. Good afternoon, Simon. Afternoon, Chris. Delighted to be here. It's great to see you. So we're going to start straight away with uh, the Livable Spaces report. So Arcadis recently launched an excellent uh, new uh, report called Livable Places. It's an impressive report and it coincides with our own work on prosperity and inclusive growth. Tell me a bit more about the report, uh, how it was commissioned and who contributed. Firstly, thanks, Chris. Uh, it's it's always nice to get uh, compliments about the, the sort of work that we do and the, and the reports that we produce. Um, so, yeah, Livable Places. Um, it's, as you can probably tell, there's a blood, sweat and tears gone into the production of the report. But I guess the question is, well, why? Why have we done it? Um, and really, it's down to... We were looking at our business, we were looking at Arcadis uh, and actually what we were all about. And we tried to boil sort of and get the essence of what we do uh, and, and where we play and the propositions that we have for our clients and, and the market. And we came up with, with three things, um, three propositions that really summarise everything we do. Um, and they were under the headings of placemaking, um, also mobility and then prop tech. And so we looked at the clients we work with, we looked at the, the, the things that we do, the solutions that we provide, and, and actually they all broadly fit within those three key subject areas. So placemaking is one I'm hugely, hugely passionate about. And uh, I sit on the placemaking board at Arcadis, and we decided as a group to commission uh, and carry out research um, to produce this report. And I think really it was very much recognising. We, we genuinely believe that the way that we have created places, um, made places, uh, and, and done placemaking in the past. Whilst there's been some good examples, um, you know, I think I think it can be improved upon. I think I think there is a better way to do it, a more engaging uh, uh, and up-to-date way to do it. So we convened uh, a series of roundtable breakfasts around the UK where we brought together the public sector, the private sector, the third sector, design consultants, local authority chief executives, a whole range of organisations, community organisations as well, um, to get their views on placemaking and what we needed to do to really, not radically overhaul, but to evolve and improve the processes we underwent. So, you know, that's that's where it came from. Um, those are the, the views that we've, we've captured and then synthesised to create the report that's in front of us. And, and I was really... I'm pleased to be invited to, to join one of those. And what struck me was just not just how there was the wisdom around the table, but the honesty that went into those um, roundtable breakfasts. It's very easy, I think, to get into a space where we kind of say the same old things and pat each other on the back for the work that we've done. But, you know, there was a, a real uh, attempt, I think, to meet the genuine challenges that these schemes have and where there have been some tremendous successes mm. and the lessons that have been learned from the success, not just from the failure, because we, we often find ourselves in that space. So one thing that's really clear from the report is that high-quality development and good-quality placemaking is achievable you know, within the, um, the, the processes that we're all trying to do. What, um, what were the real drivers 
for, for that high quality development. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think um, high quality development is definitely achievable and we can see it. You know, we can walk around the region we're in. We can walk around Birmingham. We can walk around the West Midlands and the wider Midlands and we can see some very, very high quality uh, development. And I think it's so important to get that quality right. Um, you know, we have a whole range of issues that have manifested themselves in a range of ways over the last few years. And we, we sort of won't look back and go over some of those. But, you know, things like deprivation, things like inequality, things like homelessness, um, actually increasing pressure on our natural resources as more and more people move towards uh, sort of urban living. And we know that by 2050, two thirds of the world's population will be living in urban environments. We've also got challenges like um, ageing infrastructure and the need to actually update that. But back to my point earlier about mobility, to make sure it's very relevant for today and the future. So, you know, getting the quality uh, right is is absolutely critical. And I suppose, you know, what are the fundamentals of that? Well, what we identified or what came out of the the honest discussions, as you referred to uh, the breakfasts, was it is about things like community. So actually, you know, real genuine community and citizen engagement. Um, it's about collaboration. And, and a word often used and, and not often practised enough is my view. Um, but collaboration, absolutely criti critical. And sustainability. Um, I think we have a climate emergency pretty much everywhere we go. Um, but actually, if we didn't have a climate emergency, we'd still have big issues around just the sustainability of, as I mentioned earlier, that growing, you know, urban population. How do you how do you sustain that and keep it keep it uh, you know keep it going? Public realm and, and actual. So we talk about the quality of place, the quality of design that sits behind that place is so important. The quality of the materials that are used and the thought that goes into how we create those spaces. And I think that's really really important. And then, of course, funding and delivery. We can't, you know, we, we have to fund these things and we have to deliver them. And having, you know, implementable, viable delivery plans is critical. But actually long term funding that goes counter cyclical as well uh, and also spans, you know, more than one or two political cycles. So we need that commitment around long term funding, um, you know, again, in order to deliver mm. that quality and deliver that placemaking. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I, I've often quite like the idea of looking at a place and thinking what's it for rather than just what's it worth and, and what came across to me very strongly in the report is that good growth good quality growth good quality development um, has at its heart understanding what its uses are you know and, and understanding how that relates to the community and the population around so when you talk about um, uh, sustainable collaborative growth um, I've often thought to myself, well, how does that relate back to the developer's bottom line and so on? I think increasingly we're seeing developers have that thought process in it. It's not just about how do we create the units and bump them out the other side and make mm. a short-term return. It's that longer term. Mm. So there's two things I quite like to pick up on just what you said. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is um, you talked about consultation and collaboration, how heavily they um, came out of the report. Yeah. So let's pick up on that first. And the next bit is about the sort of patient capital that you have to have to have that longer term view because you talked about surviving electoral cycles. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about consultation first. Um, when I first started doing developments, consultation was a kind of, you know, oh, I suppose we better ask people to do it. And it was the statutory consultation period under planning. But actually getting people to really properly understand what these developments are going to be used for and how they're going to work mm -hmm. seems to become um, much, much more important. Did that come out through the report? 
It did. It did. Absolutely. And and I think I, you, you called it out, I think, so well in terms of traditionally how we've done the consultation piece. Um, and we know that it is a box that gets ticked as part of the planning process and, and, and part of the development process. And it's almost, and I know we try not to do this, but I think traditionally the industry has done things to places um, rather than done things with places. And I, and I think that's the difference for me. You know, traditionally we've come up with early designs, we've developed those designs. And when we've got to a point where we actually want to know, do you want A, B or C, that's the point at which we go to consultation. And there's sort of this, not an arrogance, but there's almost this arrogant assumption, well, it's A, B or C, isn't it? And actually, I think consultation starts before you even pick a pen up, before you even start thinking about what could the place be. Mm. You need to engage with the community and you need to engage with the citizens. And I think it's, it's again, so powerful to do that um, because not only will you be thinking about what the development is and what the place is for the future, so creating that sustainable community, but you can also deal with the issues of today and I think that's that's massively important to get buy-in from the community and, and, and the yeah. stakeholders. And then the, the key bit on that, so so I think we all agreed at the breakfast that actually that's what we need to do. But importantly, we need to make sure we are at the grassroots of that community and we are at the grassroots of the citizen. And it's not the same old voices again and again. Um, and, I, you know, we've been guilty of that in the past, I think, yeah. as an industry. And I think that recognition is there now that we, we have to get to the, the, the root of, of the community's challenge. Do you know, we could probably spend a whole um, podcast <laughs> talking about consultation, but I, you're exactly right. You know, I, I, I was on a common purpose leadership course recently. And um, as part of that, we went to do what they call an immersion day. Mm-hmm. And we went to a, um, a place not far from where we're recording this. Uh, and we went to the community hub. And it was fascinating how often that message came up to say, well, the developers came along and this was done to us. And we've, we, the community, have had to spend the next five, ten years putting it right mm-hmm. and actually mm-hmm. making the places accessible, making, you know, so shops that were going to be knocked down, the community took over. And I have to say the community fish and chip shop was probably the best <laughs> part of the development. But, um, you know, it's that idea of buildings um, not being done to people, I think, is becoming increasingly um, the case and developers are recognising the value of that. I, I think I think you're right. And, and I look back over my career um chris and, and some of the the work i've done i mean I, and i can go back a few years now to the new deal for communities which you'll remember you know a number of areas around the uk 50 million pounds each uh, you know new deal for communities was the headline there was some fantastic work done um king's norton new deal for communities i got involved in and actually it became became one of those things where it goes beyond sort of the work into into more of a bit of a, a mission you know turning up for evening uh, events and, and the like and really getting to meet um, the grassroots of the community, I found that incredibly powerful, actually. Um, and again, over in Coventry, um, working on some some schemes over there, again, a few years ago now, and engaging genuinely with a community at grassroots level. Uh, and it was it was eye opening, actually, and it was it was quite humbling as a as a as a process to go through. Um, but the value that came out of it was incredible, and I think the answers that we got and the direction of travel that we went was very different to that than if we'd have done it in that traditional mm. way, you know, where you wait till you've done the design and then you engage. I think you're right. Which which version of box A, B or C would you like is, is probably uh, the older way of doing things. But the other thing you mentioned there, and let's just pick up before we forget, um, we talked about funding. Mm. So obviously we're doing quite a lot of work at the moment around um, 
the Future High Street Fund, and the total, uh, the Growth Fund packages, and the um, the Towns Funds. Uh, and one thing that's come out of that is the, the the need to front load developments with good quality advice, with um, that kind of clear vision, um, and having that bit of cash up front to do the the work to do that design mm. to do that initial consultation that's really helpful to having having that government funding there but you also talked about the sort of need for patient capital mm. so i think developments that have had you know a, a need for a short-term financial return to pay the developers back for the investment they're making that model seems to be changing um so let's talk a bit more about that so to get this kind of good quality growth to get um the, all the sustainability things that we've talked about mm-hmm. Does that need patient capital or is there still room for, for the more traditional funding models of kind of short-term returns? How, how, is that, how did that come out in the report? So I think the view is it's very much a cocktail of, of, of all of that, uh, Chris. Interestingly, I'm on um, the Mayor's task force, Town Centre task force, so uh, seeing all of those different funding streams. And again, as a business, we're involved uh, along with you on, on a range of projects around that. I think the interesting bit there, what I would say there is there are almost too many funding streams um, and, and it's interesting because I've, I've got a paper uh, that was produced that summarises all of those funding streams um, and, and actually again I think this is where Homes England are doing uh, a really really good job now in simplifying how you uh, attract the funding in you know you go through a single pipeline um, and, and whether the money comes in as grant or equity or, or some form of gap or whatever um, you, you have one entry point into that agency and, and, and we do need to make our, our access to funding a little bit easier but that, that's probably a bit of a side point. But absolutely right, we, we do need uh, longer term funding and I think the bit for me is around the benefits that we deliver when we genuinely do transformational placemaking and regeneration. So there is um, genuine value to be created um, by getting the public realm right by understanding the relationships between spaces. So how do you create a sense of community? Because actually, if you don't, life expectancy suffers, right? There is research that's been done um, around life expectancy and loneliness. So actually creating a sense of community, creating a quality place. Access to green open space. We know the link between obesity and being within 300 metres of uh, green open space. There's, There's work that's been done, research that's been carried out. We know that the research associated with access to sports and leisure uh, equipment and and, and facilities again. So so where where you sort of end up there is that patient capital actually is long-term investment around investing in the right place, creating the right quality, creating the right access to facilities and social infrastructure, because ultimately that will pay you back in spades. It will absolutely pay you back. It won't be through the same funding channel, and this is where we have to get cross-government support, cross-department support, to recognise that actually we may be spending, um, uh, you know, ministry, uh, housing, MCHLG funding on place and space, and the benefit is coming through uh, Department of Health or Department of Education, but actually we've got to look at it more holistically. Well, that whole thing about how, how projects are valued... We did a report a couple of years ago, a hard to value report, which is on exactly that point about, well, how do you track through? How do you recoup? Um, and there's changes certainly required to the Green Book when we're looking at this kind of thing. Absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it, that um, we often assume that the financial the financials would sit beneath developments. Our money's always tight and we have you know, viability 
uh, will always be questioned, etc. But the more I've looked at it, um, I, I agree with you. I don't think there is a shortage of cash, mm. but there's a shortage of understanding about maybe how to use it for some in some schemes. I was talking to uh, Sport England recently about their fund, and they were saying there's you know there's a big slug of cash there that can be looked can be invested into well-being type projects, um, but it's not well enough known. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think the paper that you, you mentioned about all the different types of funding that are available, you know, that's certainly one to, to pick up on, and and perhaps our listeners can can tap into that as well because. Um, uh, how we structure our developments to get these better outcomes and understanding what the outcomes actually are that we're trying to achieve yeah. is not just a financial return measured in that narrow way it's that much broader it, it, it is it's, it's not that return on capital it's, it's absolutely I mean that is it's, it's the right measure in terms of some of the development work that takes place but it's yeah. the wrong measure in terms of long-term yeah. sustainable communities and, and that's where it goes back to a cocktail of funding it goes back to a collaborative and partnership genuine partnership approach um, whereby the public sector the private sector the third sector in all their guises your point about sport england money um highways england had um some money about 18 months ago for unlocking housing sites but again it wasn't that well known mm -hmm. so actually when you start to line up all the funding streams that are out there you start to look at all the benefits that get delivered, be that mental well-being, be that health, uh, be that education, be that employment, access to jobs. And you can start to create, I think, quite a compelling case that actually using traditional development funding with some public sector intervention uh, money, with some long-term uh, 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 pension funding, you start to create a cocktail where everybody is really transparent about the sort of outcomes they're seeking to deliver. And actually, you can do that. You can, through the life cycle of that development, create the sorts of returns that each of the stakeholders need. Um, but actually, you're delivering you know, much wider benefits. So uh, th this can be done. I wonder if that, that ties in maybe to the next point for us to, to explore. You know, you and I often do a lot of work around um, public sector uh, regeneration projects. Mm. Um, but it ties into that point about um, the need for a sort of collaborative working, which you mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. But the sort of collaboration against that background of um, commercially robust partnerships, and I suppose when we're looking at larger schemes in particular, you know, too big maybe for individual developers to, to take on on their own, and so that idea of spreading the risk, um, spreading the uh, ingenuity and innovation as well, that partnership kind of working seems to tie nicely into that way of spreading the the funding uh, obligations too. Are we seeing that more and more of that? I, th I think we are. Um, I think I think the dial has turned. So we're looking, uh, as I know you are, Chris, in some quite innovative vehicles at the moment, um, where we are looking at partners coming together, funding actually funding and behaving in a different way to their core business in order to drive uh, projects and schemes forward, partnering up with the public sector bringing their land uh, and, and bringing their know-how and insight um, and, and actually some of their funding as well to uh, to deliver you know additionality uh, in terms of housing delivery so this creativity is out there and we're doing more and more joint ventures where in effect you bring you know what's the expertise we need to deliver this particular scheme regardless of its size and, and, and its makeup what's the expertise we need how do we best get that expertise 
How do we bring that expertise and resources together? How are we really, really transparent and clear about what everybody's putting in and what they're going to get out and respecting, actually, profits need to be made, return needs to be delivered, and almost designing how it's going to work, designing what you're going to achieve, creating, a, and this is really important, a shared vision that you all absolutely buy into, and then the likes of you and I wrapping the mechanisms around it. So we don't start with the vehicle. We start with what we're trying to achieve. We design all of that and then we wrap the model around it. And that's the way to do it, I think. I think you're exactly right. That, that sort of form follows function. I've always sort of bought into that. There's an interesting word you use there, which is about behaviour. Mm. Now, you, know, you and I have been at conferences uh, over the years where we've heard people talk about the need for better collaboration. And then we go to the same conference the following year where everyone says there's still a need for better collaboration. And yet, of this last year in particular, um, I've been working on a number of public sector-based collaborative projects where that's the key thing that seems to have changed to me. The, the approach of the parties, the trust that's there, the, the getting to understand what it is that everybody wants to get out of it and making that real sort of concerted effort, concerted effort to explore the reasoning for the partnership um, and the behavioural change that I have noticed is there's a lot more trust, there's commerciality, there's, um, I use the word additionality, which I think is a good one too. It's all about saying, what do we actually bring to the table to make this work? Mm. Why are we doing this? Mm. And if you have that, you, you kind of front load that um, either through workshopping it or what have you, it seems to be a really good investment. Uh, and the projects that we're working on with that at its heart seem to be far more successful mm. than trying to put things together to avoid the procurement rules or to, try, you know, those old chestnuts about how do we avoid that? How do we, uh, because if you start with that, it, it, it's just the wrong starting point and it inevitably you know, those projects tend not to work. So are you seeing more of that, you know, we talked about this kind of commercially robust partnerships. Are you seeing more of that behavioural change? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and it's interesting because um, I think we, we absolutely share the view uh, on, on exactly that. And, and I was sort of reflecting as you were talking about why, why are we actually seeing that? You know, why 18 months, two years ago was there lots of talk about it and actually now we're, we're seeing the action. And I, I think it's down to, and, and, and I sort of say this in, in the right way, there's actually a necessity, actually we need to do this. And, and, and I think when you look around the stakeholder map, you look around uh, uh, you know, those parties involved, from a, a public sector perspective, there's just there isn't the capacity there anymore. There isn't the capacity there. Um, you look at the private sector, actually they need opportunities. You know, you've got to keep the, the, the businesses going, got to keep you know, the wheels turning. They, they need the opportunities. Um, you start to look at the communities and actually, you know, again, they need to engage um, you know, or be engaged actually more than, more than ever before. So actually what we're building is robust, long-term, sustainable places. And, and so I think it's almost out of necessity that the parties have come together um, and recognised that they have to trust each other. Um, so I'm not saying, you know, people are frog marched and forced into doing these things. There's absolutely a coalition of the willing, but it's a coalition of the willing recognising that this is the right way, the best way, and actually probably the only way to deliver the sorts of places and, and outcomes uh, that we need. Well, 
I mean, it's been a fascinating conversation. Thanks again for, for coming to talk to us today. The report hits on some fantastic um, and fundamental uh, key points about how to bring development forward. Isn't it a fantastic time to be involved in this kind of work? Um, I mean, you and I have known each other for a long time and worked together on, on numerous things, but I don't think I've ever been involved in, uh, in a market which has such positivity. Um, we're seeing great schemes coming forward. We're seeing ambition, particularly we're recording this in the West Midlands and we're seeing some fantastic projects coming forward here. Um, we're seeing different branches of government working together like they perhaps haven't before. We're seeing public sector and private sector working together, and as you said, third sector. And all of that comes through in the report, I think, just showing how with that level of collaboration, you can get some great things happening. Mm -hmm. Thanks again for joining us today. Um, we'll be recording more of our Regeneration podcasts uh, over the coming weeks. And uh, thanks again, Simon Marks from Arcadis. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Trowers and Hamlins. Find us at Trowers.com and join in the conversation on Twitter at Trowers or find us on LinkedIn and Instagram.